So just, just very recently, I was asked a very specific question about faith, and that question was, what do you mean by salvation? When, you, when I was using the word salvation in the conversation, the question was asked, what do I mean by salvation? So today's the day you get the full answer. Are you ready? Here comes the fire hose. No, I'm <laughs> No, uh, what do I mean? I mean that somewhere between Good Friday and Easter, the world changed in a way that we never expected it to. In the text that George, he is my friend, in the text that George read this morning, it says this, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she went in, she stooped and looked and saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot, the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. By the way, the last time that I can remember seeing two angels together, just two, was guarding the gate of the garden to make sure that we didn't go back and do something there that we weren't supposed to do. Because we have this propensity to do something we're not supposed to do in places, well, everywhere. <laughs> I was going to give you some select places where we're so used to doing things we're not supposed to do, but it's pretty much everywhere, isn't it? We just mess it up. Or maybe I'm just talking to me. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw somebody standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. Do you know who the last gardener was in the Bible? His name was Adam. And he had this basic problem. So when we talk about what do I mean when I say we are saved or salvation, I mean that there's a new gardener in town. There's a new gardener in town. You've got Adam, and then you've got Jesus. But Jesus is different than Adam, and I need to tell you this. He doesn't start at the spot Adam starts at. See, Adam starts in a sinless location and makes it sinful. Jesus comes in to a sinful location and cleanses and inaugurates the kingdom of God into that location. There's a new gardener in town. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that there's a new gardener in town? I mean, it's easy for me to say that. He sets it right. He puts all things proper. It's everywhere, right? He's fixed everywhere. The garden, the chance of the garden is restored. Creation is set right. But how do we get us from here to there? See, because like Adam, and I would like to say like Adam, we can make a we could have a full theological discussion about how, um, whether or not it's Adam's fault or ours. We could. We could have a large theological discussion on that. 
But I need to tell you that, that as long as I'm pointing fingers at Adam, I've made my own mistakes. And I've made all the same mistakes that Adam made, and I blame somebody else for them too. Anybody else? Okay, this is just me. So what do I mean by salvation? I mean this, that the four types of relationships we have are completely, utterly broken. And by the way, the reason we, as a human community, chose Barabbas over Jesus, Bar, son, Abbas, the father, Barabbas, the son of the father, is because as Jesus said, you say you're children of God, but if you are children of God, you do the things that God does, but you're not the children of God because you don't do what he says. You're children of the devil. And so they choose the the son of the father they want. We choose the son of the father we want. We break the relationship between us and God. We just do. The second, we do it in so many ways. I don't even know all the plethora of ways we break the relationship between us and God. I know this, though. I've met Christians that say, well, you know, I met him and I came and he was, and then later I had this lordship moment where I was different. And, and what, do you, what do you mean? You had a lordship moment after you met Jesus? He's the Lord. He was the Lord the second you met him. No, I, I, I just didn't. You mean he is very gracious to let you get away with not treating him as Lord the second you meet him. And you met him, you call him Lord, you meet him at the foot of the cross, you invite him into your life, and you spend the next 10 years, six weeks, however long, breaking the relationship between you and him. But that's just one of the types of relationships. Do you know what self-delusion is? That's the thing where I think I'm better than I really am. And, and I've talked about this in this church a lot. Who's, fi- who's, who's really fooled by those self-delusions? If I tell you that I'm awesome, and you go, well, kind of. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Except for these other areas. Right? That, by the way, is me lying to me and believing the lie. So not only do I break the relationship with me and God, I break the relationship with me and me. And so do you. Now, the flip side is if I also say that I'm the worst person that ever lived, you also know that's not exactly true. Although some of you might think so. I don't know. But that's, those are the first two relationships. Then there's the relationship we have with other people. How many of you have never needed to be forgiven by a friend? Let alone somebody else. Right? So we break relationships with God. We break relationships with each other, with ourselves. We break relationships with each other. And then, worst and, and maybe even unthinkingly, we haven't even thought 
about how we break the relationship that we have in creation, with creation. Do you see, the reason there was a gardener in the garden wasn't because everything was going to go perfect. How many of you are gardeners? If you don't tend to garden, what happens with a garden? It goes, right? It just goes all kinds of sideways and overgrowth and all of this stuff. But, but creation had a gardener who was supposed to be God's very image and servant in the garden and would tend the garden. And by the way, we as parents or somebody else like that, we know the difference. Karen and I are having a problem right now. We are, we've got a neighbor with a dog who's barking at us in our dining room. And, but we have another neighbor with a dog who barks once and, gets, and then goes, silence. And so I saw that other neighbor today and I said, thank you so much for teaching your dog not to bark. I just didn't realize how much of a blessing it was to do that. And he goes, well, it's just basic parenting. <laughs> That's what he said. Just basic parenting. We're kind of like that with the garden. If we were doing and living in the spot where we were fully God's image and doing God's thing and his representative in creation, we wouldn't be doing all the stuff we do. And there wouldn't have to be anti-litter campaigns. There wouldn't have to be signs all over the road that say, pick it up, right? <laughs> we wouldn't have to have a campaign by the state to say, this crew cleans the highway in this section. By the way, just as a weird side note, the original anti-litter campaign was aimed at banana peels, not at garbage. So you see how off base we are, right? We think, we also think because we're out of sync with, with relationship with the creation, we think fluorescent light bulbs are a green solution. And let me tell you, there's enough mercury in those to do real damage. But we, we think, well, it uses lead. Look, we're out of sync with those four relationships. What do I mean by salvation? I mean that when Jesus, the new gardener's in town, that those chants of those relationships could go right. right. There's a chance now that they could go right. Without him, there's no shot. So everything, everywhere, what do I mean by salvation? Well, I also mean that life, I mean that I personally have been saved. I met Jesus and he gave me a righteousness that I didn't deserve that was appropriate for my place as a child of God in his kingdom, right? When he says, don't cling to me, Mary. I haven't ascended to my father and your Father. See, we miss that. I haven't ascended to God yet. No, I haven't ascended to my Father and yours. You've been adopted into the family. You have been saved. 
Now the problem with that is, is because I still break all my relationships and I'm out of sync and all this stuff, is that I am still being saved. Right? I'm saved, I've got the ticket, my destination has been changed, all those things, but I'm not really ready to live in the kingdom yet because I'm still breaking stuff. Still a bull and I have to straight china shop. I am being saved. What does that mean, I am being saved? That means that through the transformation of my mind and my habits, I am being transfigured, transformed, however you want to say it, into the very image of God, or a substitute gardener, when the main gardener's not there. Even the greenskeeper has helpers. The gardener has helpers, and those helpers are learners. We heard this morning at the sunrise service about a story about a little boy, and I'm going to share this just very briefly, that there's a little boy in, a, in the hospital, and at that time, they used to have substitute teachers that would work in the hospital, so it's been a while. <laughs> and the substitute teacher went in there because the, the main teacher said, can you help him keep up with his nouns and adjectives? Well, she went in, and he was in the burn unit, and just beyond recognition, and she felt so bad about going in there to do that, but, you know, so she went through the motions a little bit with the little boy who was in pain and all that and came back the next day because it's her job. And the nurses say, what did you do? He's completely different. And the line goes like this. The little boy says that they don't send teachers to help with nouns and adjectives for somebody who's not going to be around. Any change. By the way, I think my mic just went, didn't it? How about that? Keep my hands away from the mic. The point of the sermon this morning was, is that Jesus came to teach us the stuff we needed to learn. And you don't do that with people that are on the dustbin of society. God doesn't think you're done. I have been saved. I am being saved. At the end, I will be saved. In other words, I'm going to make it to the end, right? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Have you heard that verse? He who... He who, you're going to say this with me, he who began a good work in me will be faithful to bring it to completion. You will make it. Everything, everywhere, forever. Because not only that, you have a brand new life. There's this there's this word, zoe aenos. And I know you don't read Greek and you don't do this, but zoe, you know this word, zoe, zoology. It's a category of life, zoology. It comes from this word, zoe. It means life that doesn't end. Aenos, forever. So when you put this thing together, it means life that doesn't end forever. If we translate that, we'll 
translate that eternal life. And it doesn't come from inside of us. Right? It doesn't bubble up inside of us. We wake up in the mornings, especially me because I'm not a morning. This is another thing from the sunrise service. He asked everybody who was morning people and all that and ends up that I was really almost the only non-morning person at the 7 a.m. service for some reason. But I don't wake up in the morning going, woohoo, it's morning. I know that's stunning to you. I wake up in the morning going, really? <laughs> morning again. I'll, I, right? Really, just, just so you know, the priest said in the Bible is, it was evening. And then it was morning, the first day. <laughs> Not morning, then evening. Evening, then morning. No, look, we're just, but this doesn't bubble up inside of me. You might think that I have this life, but the life that I have, the way I am, is almost unrecognizable to me from before Christ. My life has been changed, and it isn't from me, it's from him, and only his kids have access to that life, and it's permanent. Everything, always, everywhere, forever. What do I mean by salvation? Restored relationships. I mean right locations. A servant with a God, no more breaking stuff everywhere I go. None of it deserved. What do I mean? Let's do this. I, I want to do this just a little bit so you know that it, it's not just a New Testament concept. Here it is in Zechariah 10. Zechariah 10, 10. Then, says God, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem, and they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. The sorrow and mourning in Jerusalem will be on that day as great as the mourning on Hadad Rimmon in the Valley of Megiddo. By the way, you don't know, most of you may not know this, the Valley of Megiddo. That's the valley of the final battle in, in Revelation. That's how bad it'll be on the day they look on the one who they cursed for this. And on that day, skipping down three verses, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and the people of Jerusalem, a fountain to cleanse them from all their sins and impurity. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will erase idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of the idols will be forgotten. That's not just, well, we don't talk about that no more. It's like, I don't even remember that. What do I mean by salvation? What do I mean by the meaning of salvation the day that Jesus raised, was raised from the dead and came to life on Easter morning? I mean 
everything has to be different, there's a new gardener in town. And we need to let him do his work. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that even while we groaned with creation under the old system, we know that there's a new gardener in town. Help us be his. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.